Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. It's Resurrection Sunday. Jesus defeated the grave. He, you know, think about it. Death could not hold our Lord down. So I want to speak about the resurrection, but I really want us to understand that, that His resurrection is your resurrection. Jesus did not have to die for himself. He didn't have to die for his own sins. He didn't pay the price for his sin. He paid the price for your sin and my sin. He came in your place. He came in my place. So for for his resurrection to matter, for it to be um, effective, influential, powerful in your life, it has to become your resurrection. And so the whole purpose of Jesus dying on the cross was for it to become his resurrection, his death burial and resurrection was for you to also experience a death a burial and a resurrection for his resurrection to become yours in acts chapter 17 verse 28 28 paul speaks of that in him we live and move and have our existence some translations say in him we live and move and have our being so in him in in god in His Spirit, in His presence, we live and we move and we have our being. That's how we live our existence because we get united with Him. So I want to, I want to talk about how, how did this happen. In um, John chapter 16, Jesus is referring to His suffering. He's, like he's, he's alive right now. He's talking to His closest friends. He's talking to his, you know, the 12 apostles. They're, they're around Him. And He says something really, really um, it's powerful, but the people didn't understand what he was talking about. The people around him were sort of a little bit confused. And look what he says. He says in verse 16 of chapter 16, A little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Some of his disciples then said to one another, What is this thing he is telling us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. Think about it. If I said to you, Hey guys, in a little while you will not see me. And then in a little while, you will see me. I mean, people go, what? What is he talking about? That's what they said to Jesus. What what is he talking about? So they were saying, what is that? What is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. This is what the disciples said about Jesus. Jesus knew that they wished to question him. And he said to them, are you deliberating together about this? That I said a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Truly I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will turn into joy. So he's talking about his death. He's he's basically talking to the closest people around him and says, you're going to grieve because in a little while you will not see me. I'm going to die. You're going to go into grief and sorrow and anguish. And then he says, but your your grief will turn into joy. Why? Because in a little while you will not see me. In a little while you will see me. He comes back to life. So he's talking about his, his death and his resurrection. But they didn't get him. They didn't understand what he was talking about. So Jesus uses the closest thing that we, that we can get our heads around. He uses the, the, the experience of a woman giving birth to a child. And he's trying to give us a picture, something that we can possibly connect to what he's about to go through. He says, a woman, look what he says. He says, when a woman is in labor... She has pain. She has anguish. She has suffering. She's going through pain birth to give birth because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. He's trying to use 
a woman's experience of giving birth is trying to get out. It's like our only way of connecting with, I'm about to die for the sins of the world. He's about to go into travail, anguish of soul. He's about to go through some pain. He's going to become sin on the cross. And he says, it's like a woman giving birth. But once you get through it, remember he says, you will grieve, but then you're going to rejoice later because he's going to get resurrected, right? And everybody knows that Christina and I have become grandparents. I know it's hard to believe. I look so young. I know that. And, and it's like, how can he be a, non, a nonno? In Italian, it's a nonno. But uh, my wife looks even younger than me. She's like, I can't believe that I'm sleeping with a, gra- a granny. Wow. I'm married, but okay. So it's okay. Um, John, John chapter... So, so, so what is Jesus saying? My, my son, Leon, you know Leon and Vanessa, so they gave birth two weeks ago. And so she wrote something on Instagram and I read it. It was so powerful. I asked her, can I have the permission to share that? And so this is her experience, right? She talks about, um, she wrote down the title of what she wrote is My Little Son. Two weeks ago, I was only two and a half hours out from seeing, meeting you. And I was 27 hours into the hardest and longest wait of my life. My labor was nothing, uh, nothing according to any plan whatsoever. Three days of early labor, contra- contractions and hospital visits, false alarms, and then 29 hours of labor before he came. That photo of me, yeah, she had a photo on the Instagram, is, just, uh, is a photo of me just after crying to Leon because I had been contracting for 18 hours and was only two centimeters dilated. And by the way, we, you know, she let us know people were praying all over the place. And about three or four hours later, she was fully dilated when we prayed. Ten, like she went to 10 centimeters. It says, she says, the love and joy I felt. Where am I up to? Uh, sorry. It was a wild journey. But the moment I laid eyes on him, none of that mattered. All that pain, all that anguish, all that suffering. The love and joy I felt looking into his eyes for the first time. The overwhelming sense that there is nothing he could do to earn or change my love for him. It was such a beautiful journey. The whole thing, God's perfect design was shown to me. I felt so loved by God through it all. Like I could finally understand the way God looks at His children. The pain feels like a distant memory compared to the intense, beautiful love I feel for my little son. Who is growing and changing every day. And it's, she talks about her experiencing of connecting with her son. But so when, when you look at, when you, you, as a parent, if you have children, you know what it's like. When you look at your children for the very first time, you look at your son or your daughter, look into their eyes and you just know how, how loved they are, how much you love them. They can't do anything wrong. The Father, God, loves you way more than you possibly could ever love your own children. That blows my mind. That's one of the things that hit me as a father when I first became a father, that God loves me more than I love my own children. And I know what I would do for my own children. I would give up my life for my own children. I would take on the worst terminal disease and suffering, whatever it took, if it needed to, I would take it for them, 100%. No questions asked. I would do that. And God the Father, He did that in Christ. Jesus did exactly that. Jesus is trying to give us an example of the suffering he's about to face. The only possible human experience that even comes close. I mean, it doesn't even come close. But the only thing we can grasp our understanding to is the birth of a, of a, of a child. The birth of a, a woman giving birth. I mean, my wife gave birth to five children. I remember the first, especially the first, I thought to myself, man, she's, this woman's like from another world. That's because I knew as a man I could never do that. 
You know, we think we're tough. We're, we're, we're tough. We're not, like, we're not tough like women. For them to give birth the way they, di- they do. God built you that way. But it's a miraculous thing. But Jesus says, once the baby comes, the woman forgets the pain. And, it, and it's, Jesus is trying to say, I'm about to go through some suffering. In the garden, we know that Jesus cried out and he says, he says, my soul, this is what he told his closest friends, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. I'm feeling the grief, the, the suffering, the sorrow. Why? Because the sin of the world's coming on him. He's starting to realize and, re- and the reality that I'm going to become sin. Jesus felt the pain of that. It re- almost killed him. That's what he says. Even to the point of death. We know that he sweat and, he, and his blood, um, you know, capsule, uh, what do you call it, the... Calipularies, yeah, that word, you know. It burst and, and sweat and blood poured out of his pores because of the pressure that actually happened, scientifically, can happen. And he wept and he cried and he cried out to God. And, and he, why was he going through some birth pains? Just the thought of he's going to become the sin of the world. Jesus was never separated from God. Never. He always walked one with God, united with God, in union with God, at peace with God. He's one with the Father, totally one. But on the cross, he knows he's going to become separate. Not for his sake. This is the good news. Not for his sake, for your sake. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for you. So he's, he's taking on our sin and then getting buried and then resurrecting. He's, all of that was for you and for me. So his resurrection was my resurrection. His resurrection from the dead is your resurrection from the dead. Spiritual death. If you don't apply it, all you've got is religion. If it doesn't, an exchange doesn't happen, you know, like in a transaction, it's a spiritual transaction. If that actually doesn't take place, all you've got is nothing better than man-made rules and regulations. Religion of this world, the religiosity of man, the rules and which I believe religion is rules and rules made up by men and, and women to get to God. We, we, we'll come up with our effort to get to God. But that's all the religions of the world that have been birthed out of that. God came down to reach you. Religion is us trying to get to God with all our works, our strength, our wisdom. And if we do this, if we do that, if we don't do this, don't do that, don't touch that, don't do this, pray this way, pray that. It's our effort to get to God. Christianity is He came down for you. He sought you after. He sought after you. He sought after me. And He says, therefore you have grief now. Why? Because He's about to die. But I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice. And no one will take your joy away from you. He's talking about his death and his resurrection. I will see you again. And when you look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I don't know if you know the story. But the people of, uh, people, the apostles looking at Jesus dying on the cross. They didn't understand he was dying for their sins. Even though he had told them a number of times. And he told them I'm going to die and get resurrected. But when you physically see someone die. Your friend. Someone that you ate with. Someone that you're close to. And they're dead. You don't expect to talk to them again. You don't expect for them to really raise from the dead. It's never happened before. And so they, they locked themselves in the room thinking if they caught our master, they call our leader, they caught him and crucified him, they might do it to us. So they're full of fear and they close the door and they're hiding from the authorities. And they're depressed and they're full of grief and they're weeping and they're sorrowing, just like Jesus said they would. There was a time, and I can show you scriptures. We haven't got the time to go for it. But Mary Magdalene saw him first. And when Mary Magdalene fell at him and, and thought he was the gardener, and when, she, when the Lord says, um, Mary, it's I, she turned around and realized it was him. 
she thought it was the gardener. And when she realized it was the Lord, she fell at his feet, wanted to touch him. She said, don't touch me. I must have sent to my father and your father. I must have sent to my God and your God. Go tell Peter and the apostles, I'll meet them in Galilee. And she's overjoyed. And the Bible says she ran to the apostles, knocked on the door, went inside and said, guess what? I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. He's alive. And you know what they said? They didn't believe her. The Bible says they thought she was telling idle stories. They thought she was just tales. This is no way. Nonsense. He can't be alive. We saw him die. They didn't believe her. Because the Bible says that when the Lord came, he rebuked and said, why didn't you believe those that saw me? Because you, you know, heard their testimony. Why didn't you just believe it? And so in John, uh, Gospel of the chapter 20, he, 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 he comes in for the first time and sees the apostles. And before he appears, I just want to let you know in John chapter 3, I forgot to say this, John chapter 3, you know the story of Nicodemus, and, and Nicodemus was a priest. He's a teacher of the law. He's a teacher of the word. He should know these things, but he comes to Jesus and says, at night time, he's afraid of people, so at night time, doesn't want to be seen to talk to Jesus, but he says, look, Jesus, we know that you're a man anointed by God because no one can do these miracles unless God's with them. And Jesus says, Jesus says to him in John chapter 3, he basically says, marvel not what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does born again mean? To be, another way of saying this is unless a man is born from above. The reason why you have to be born from above is because our spirit man is dead. The spirit man is dead. The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. There's three parts to us. Spiritual, a spirit man, a spirit person. If my spirit came out of my body and stood there, it would look like another Leo. Complete spirit man. It has feet. It has internal organs. I believe he looks like us. Our body is the cloth. It's like the jacket. It's the clothing of the spirit man. The spirit has a soul, a mind, a will, an emotion. It's tangible, but it lives in a body. That spirit is dead to God. Because Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed God, they spiritually died. In the day they ate of it, they died spiritually. Their spirit is no longer connected, united with God. It's dead to God, in sin, but alive to sin and selfishness and greed and pride and rebellion and lust and, and hatred and unforgiveness. That came into our human spirit. That's not in God's nature. Does that make sense? That's, how, that's what separated us from God. So in my sin, I'm separated from God. Everyone that's born in this world is separated. So God, Jesus is saying, you have to experience another birth. You have to get born again. You have to get born from above. Nicodemus says, this is what he says, Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? You know, it's an obvious question. It's a, it's a physical question. It's a physical answer. Jesus truly said, Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, one who is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of flesh, physical, is flesh. It's physical. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. So he's saying, no, no, Nicodemus, you're talking about physical birth. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about another plane altogether, another realm altogether. I'm talking about the spiritual birth. Your spirit has to ex experience life. How does God do it? He takes the Word of God. The gospel is the Word of God. He takes the seed of the Word of God, the gospel of the good news, what Jesus did for us on the cross. Takes that as a seed, gets into your heart. It's the ground. The Holy Spirit is the water. Holy Spirit comes in, germinates the Word. You have to have the Word or you can't get germinated. 
it works together, all works together. And your spirit that's dead gets resurrected and now it becomes alive. And that's what Jesus is talking about, an experience, an encounter. You have to have this encounter. So John 20, Jesus appears to them. Look what happens. He says, so when it was evening on that day, that's the day he was resurrected in the morning, and Mary saw him, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, now Jesus doesn't waste words. He's not, it's not just a nice greeting. We just read that and go, oh, that's a really nice greeting, Jesus. He says, peace be with you. He actually says, Irene, that's the word peace in the Greek, Irene be with you. And that word Irene means to join again, to be united again. It actually means to be set at one again. Because you were separated and he goes, Irene. He's using his words on purpose. I paid the price. This is when he already, at this point, he had already went to the Father. I mean, Hebrews, if you read your Bible, Hebrews uh, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, the whole chapter talks about not the blood of bulls and goats like the Old Testament sacrifices that Jewish people had to do, but with the very precious blood of the Lamb, the very Son of God went into the Holy of Holies, not the one made with hands here on the earth, that's what the Bible says, but into the real one in heaven. He went into the altar and poured out His blood at the altar in heaven at the mercy seat. As a man representing mankind, he enters heaven on our behalf into the very holy of holies, the very presence of God. He stands and pours out his blood on behalf of you. Not for himself, remember. Didn't do anything for himself. He did it all for you. This is God's love demonstrated. Forgiveness to humanity for free. It's free for us. We don't have to do anything to earn it, but it cost him his life. It's costly for him because you're valuable. Does that make sense? You're precious, you're valued, you're, you're, you're loved. You're, you're so valued. The Bible says He's got books in heaven for every day of your life. He's planned every day of your life. He's written down, your, your life is in heaven. There's a book about every one of our lives. Every day ordained for us is written in His book before any of them came to be. I'm excited because I believe this with all my heart. And so He says, he says this again. He says, when he said this, he showed them both their hands, both, showed both his hands and his side, the holes in his hands. You can see daylight through his hands. And he says, the, um, and his side where they pierced him, the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. It took a little while. You read other translations in Matthew, Mark and Luke and their version. It was like they were dumbfounded and stunned. At one stage, they thought they saw a ghost. That's what it says. They thought they saw a spirit <laughs> full of fear. What is this? And then Jesus says, it's I. Give me something to eat. I'll show you. They had to calm them down. And finally, they, 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 they believed. They touched. They felt. They ate with him. So Jesus said to them, peace. Again, he says, Irene, be united. Be made one again with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you into the world. And when he said this, he breathed on them. Again, doesn't do this as a waste of time. He's doing it because this is powerful. This is the whole purpose of him dying on the cross. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. <sighs> he, wanted the, he wanted them to say, I died on the cross, so now the Holy Spirit has cleansed your temple, has forgiven you of all your sins. Now you're washed. Now you're forgiven. Now you're made white as snow. Holy Spirit can live in you. The whole purpose of the gospel is the Holy Spirit can live inside of you and make His home in you again. Be you reunited again. Not religion. Religion, man-made rules and regulations tell you what you have to do to get to God. 
All the religions of the world have been birthed out of what you have to do to get to God. And it's, man's, it's mankind's birthing. God did it all for you. Did it on your behalf. And he says, when you believe, just accept it by faith. That's what happens. It changes you from the inside. Because what are you accepting? You're accepting God's love, his mercy, his grace. And then he empowers you with his spirit. He actually inhabits your body with his spirit. And then you have a relationship with him. But what do I have to do, Leo? Believe. Don't have to give up something. Don't have to let go. Don't have to change. Not in your own effort. Not in your own strength. You just accept and believe. He gives you the power to give up the stuff eventually. He, he does that when you yield to you. When you yield to him. I like this story. Look at this. But Thomas, it's really clear. One of the 12. You know, Thomas, everyone calls him the doubting Thomas because of this story here right here. One of the 12. 12 called Didymus was not with them when Jesus came so when Jesus came and revealed himself the first time he wasn't there so the other disciples were saying to him to Thomas we have seen the Lord we have seen the Lord they're excited but he said to them unless I see the hands in the imprint of the nails and put my finger into that place of the nails and put my hand in the side I will not believe it's a, it's a, that is really powerful because God gives us a choice to make a, a, a statement like that that we can say, I will not believe unless I see this. Now, I'm not saying what he's doing is correct. I'm just saying it's interesting how God takes us where we're at. He could have said, I will not believe until I see him. And leave it at that. You just see, if I just see Jesus alive, I'll believe. But he goes, I want to, even further detail, I want to put my finger in his hands. I want to make sure it's Jesus. I want to make sure it's the same Jesus that we walked with. I want to see the holes. Put my finger there. Put my hand in his side. And it says, and he says, I will not believe until that. I mean, someone could have said, I'll believe if you, if you saw him, you're my friend, and we've known each other for 30 years, we've walked together, and you said you saw Jesus alive, I believe. You can do that too. Because we haven't even seen, and I believe, I've never physically seen Jesus, but I have chosen to believe the truth. And that truth has changed me with evidence. The Word of God works. So how, do you know you, how, do you know, how do you know to believe? How can you believe in Jesus? Because I practice this Word and it works. The best thing I could tell you. I've been living this Bible for 30 something years and it works. And you can't take that away from me because I know it works. Does that make sense? I've experienced his word. I experienced his truth and it actually works. After eight days, so that was that incident. After eight days, Thomas said this about Jesus' first appearance. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas with them this time. Thank God Thomas is there now. Jesus came. The doors have been shut. In other words, the doors were shut, but he just, went, he just appeared. And stood in the middle of them and said the same words. Peace be with you. Be made one. Be united with God. Then he said to Thomas, the first thing he did, he went to Thomas. Think about it. He's the one that made that statement. Jesus heard him. Wherever Jesus was, he knew exactly what he'd said. And he went straight to where Thomas is at and says, reach here your finger, Thomas, and see my hands. Put your finger in them. Reach here your hand and put it into my side. He said, said the very thing he said to do. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have been a bit of a frustrated Jesus. If I came back from the dead and someone did that to me and my disciple, I would have said, 
Thomas, what's wrong with you? Why don't you just believe? Why do you have to put your finger in my hand? Like, I'm here. I'm alive. Can't you see? I defeated death. And you don't know what I went through. I went through hell. I, I took on the demons. I stripped Satan of his authority. And I raised from the dead. And you have to put your finger in. I mean, I don't know about you, but I would have been like that. But Jesus goes straight to his doubt, straight to it. And, and no problem. Put your finger in my hand. With love. That's love and that's merciful. That's gracious. That's meeting you where you're at. So if you've got questions, say, God, if you're real, show me. I want to believe. Reveal yourself to me. He will. He knows how to speak to you. But he, he, he reveals himself to a seeking heart. He reveals himself to someone that, that searches for him. I love that about Jesus. Tom had answered and said to him, I mean, this is a great response. My Lord and my God. <laughs> I'm sure he fell down sobering and falling down. I mean, you've just seen Jesus raised from the dead. You're gone. And, and uh, Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did, did not see and yet believe. That's us. Blessed. It's like more blessed are they that believe and have not seen. And then many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. In Romans, I want to show you Romans chapter 6, how... His resurrection is our resurrection. You got to if you believe the truth, this is what you have to believe. You have to believe that Jesus didn't do anything for himself. God so loved the world. So why did he come? For the world. That's you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus didn't do this for himself. He did it for you. And so Romans chapter 6 verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin? Now that Jesus has come and revealed His grace to us, His forgiveness to us, can we just continue in sin so that grace may increase? And Paul says, may it never be so. In other words, of course not. Some translations say, no, of course not. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? When you get a revelation that you've died to sin, how can a dead person keep sinning? Later on, it actually says, consider yourself to be dead to sin in the same way that Jesus is dead to sin. And sin has no mastery over him anymore. So consider yourself. Consider this truth that I'm dead to sin. Well, how did I become dead to sin? At the age of 19, when I heard about Jesus and I heard that he died on the cross for my sins, when I gave my life to him and I repented, the word repent means to change my thinking, and I gave my right I gave up my life, my sinful life, my spirit that's alive to sin, flesh, desires of this world. I gave that up because he was much better than all that. It becomes easy when you see how beautiful he is, how loving he is, how gracious he is. He's so beautiful. Why would I want to be in the dirt and the mud? The flesh, it's appetizing and it, it's pleasure for a short period. But when you see how magnificent he is and you see the truth, that doesn't compare to how beautiful he is. And that's why relationship is what empowers you to say no to sin, not religion. You're following me? It says this, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that... As Christ was raised from the dead for the glory of the Father, so we might walk in a newness of life. Where's that newness of life? Being reunited with Him. Being made one with Him. Being at peace with God. How? 
through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. If you and I just put our complete faith and trust that Jesus died on the cross and paid the full penalty of my sin, there is no sin issue with me and the Father. There's no sin issue between you and God. Unless you believe there is, then there will be. But if you really believe it, my sin has been forgiven. I've got no guilt. I've got no shame. I can have a relationship with God. I'm free to have a love relationship with God. That's relationship. You don't have to do anything to deserve it. See, it's like... It's like Religion, it's, like, it's upside down. Religion tells you, do this, do that, don't do this, don't touch that, don't pray that way, don't say that, pray this way, do this. It tells you all the things you have to do. Christianity, what Jesus brought is relationship. He says, you can't do anything, just believe what I've done for you. And when you believe it, it's love that changes you. It's something about faith. I can't explain it any other way. Faith makes, when you believe it, love enters you, raises your dead spirit, and then gives you the power to obey I can now obey. I couldn't before. Does it make sense? It's impossible for us to live this Christian life without God. That's what I'm trying to say. When I was not a Christian, I'd look at the Christians and go, man, they're the two good issues. They read their Bible. They go to church. And I cannot do that. And I couldn't. Not in my own strength, I couldn't. I'd look at the way they live their life. And no way. I can't give up what I'm doing. I'm loving my life. I'm in nightclubs, girls, this, money. I'm going after. I'm break dancing. I'm going to nightclubs. I'm having fun. I'm doing my stuff. How can I give my life and become like them? Not in my own strength. Does that make sense? Not in my own strength. Neither can you. No matter what life you're living, you cannot do it in your own strength. But when you surrender, when you give your life, and you say, Lord, I surrender, I bow the knee, I humble myself, and I yield to you. The moment I open up my heart, His empowerment comes. His presence comes, fills me, raises my dead spirit, and now I've got Him in me to live the life for Him. Now, what I couldn't do before, I can do now. Does that make sense? And look, it goes on. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, if we have been united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Basically, to the degree that you and I die to ourself will determine the degree that we experience resurrection glory. Not the other, you know what I'm saying? We, there's, there's a choice. And I experience His glory, it gives me the strength to say no to sin. We go into His glory by faith, but I've got to choose to say no to sin. Because that flesh dies, I experience more of His glory. Even John chapter 17, when Jesus prays, read it for yourself, He talks about, He's actually talking about returning to the Father. And I return to you, Father, and, and I return to where the glory I was and the glory that I had before I was here. And I'm going to come back to you. And, and what's he talking about? He's talking about him dying on the cross. His death, suffering and death on the cross was his gateway, his doorway back to the Father. So him experiencing death brought resurrection glory. That's how we've got to see death. That's, what we, that's how we've got to see suffering. Does it make sense? Peter says, he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sinning. Why is he suffering in the flesh? Because he's putting his flesh down. He's not letting his flesh rule his life. And Romans says the same thing. It, it actually tells you, um, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust thereof. Do not let it. Who does the letting? You do or I do. I choose not to let it. It says, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of God, I mean, as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. So you and I can present ourselves to God. Why? Because we're forgiven. I present myself to God. He empowers me with His presence and I can say no to sin. 
I don't say the other way around. I don't go, if I can only give up sin. If I give up sin, then I can go to God. No, you go to God because of what Jesus did. Does that make sense? I can experience God's presence, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's empowerment. I can fellowship, talk with Him, open up to Him and have a relationship with Him because of Jesus. Not if I give up this sin, then I can experience God. I had a friend that had always said that to me. Leo, when I give up my, I got to give up my life. I want to clean up my life and then I'll come to, to God. Uh, what he's saying is, I want to give up alcohol and drinking and smoking dope and my lifestyle with girls. I want to give that up in my own strength because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to clean up my life. Yeah, in your own strength, by the way, which you can't do. So he's trying to say, it's sincere. I want to clean up my life in my own strength. And when I get to clean, if you could clean up your own life in your own strength, you wouldn't need Jesus to die on the cross. If I could clean up my life in my own strength, why did Jesus die on the cross? All that God had to say is clean up your life. But he knew you couldn't. So he did it for you. That's grace. That's mercy. That's love. He is in love with you. As much as a mother is in love with their daughter, their son, or a father's in love with their children, God's in love with you more. Way more. Can you see, I hope you can see that it's what it says, for he who has died is freed from sin. When you choose to unite yourself with Christ, you die to sin in the same way he did. Christ can die no more. And so reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God. Consider, think about the fact that I'm alive to God now. Isn't that beautiful? And it's a free gift. That's why His resurrection is your resurrection. He didn't do it for Himself. He did it for you. There is scriptures throughout the whole New Testament. I'm closing with this, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Him. There is scriptures throughout the whole New Testament that says that we suffered with Christ, we should also reign with Him. We were crucified with Christ. Yet, yet nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I was buried with Christ. I died with Christ. I was made alive with Christ. It's all scripture. I was resurrected with Christ. I was raised with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. I'm glorified with Christ. That every single scripture, it speaks of a complete identification. Because what, God, what Jesus did, did it completely for you, for mankind. He died as man, as mankind. He died as you. Not for himself. So when you fully understand you're united, you're fully identified with Jesus because he identified himself with man. Then you have what he's got. He's the head with the body. Christ in Him. Christ. So we're in Him. There's 144 scriptures the Bible says in the New Testament that we're in Him, in whom, in Christ, in whom we have forgiveness. In Him we have redemption. In Him we're washed by the blood. In Him. 144 of them trying to tell us you're in Him. If, God look, if, if the devil looks for you, they can't find you because you're in Christ. But also Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Amen. So if you never understood the gospel, if you never understood the good news, if you never understood Easter, never understood that the death and the resurrection of Jesus was for you, that His resurrection was your resurrection, you can make peace with God today. And if you're online listening, you can make peace with God. You can accept Jesus Christ. We're on Facebook Live. We're on YouTube. And so people online can accept Christ no matter where you are. And, that, and I'm speaking to you too. If you want to accept Jesus Christ, we're going we're gonna, to... You know, at the front here, you can meet with Jesus. There'll be people. I'll be here at the front. I can help you, lead you to Christ and accept Jesus. Maybe for the first time. 
And maybe you say to me, Leah, I used to walk with Christ, but I think I fell away. Or I used to know Jesus, but I have not been living for Him. And you can, you can slip your hand up and say, Leah, pray for me. Is anybody in this room that wants prayer to accept Jesus as their Lord for the first time? Just slip your hand up boldly. We'll pray for you. And maybe you've fallen away and you know, thank you. You know that you need to accept Jesus. Just slip your hand up. It's a beautiful thing to do. You're saying yes to Him. You say, I want to be united. I want to be made one with Him. I want to be at peace. Don't let His sacrifice be a waste for you. And I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not even asking you to join religion. I'm asking you to have a relationship with God. When you become a Christian, it means you follow these words. You start to read the Bible for yourself. Tell someone else that you've accepted Jesus, that I'm a Christ follower. And find a Bible church, a Bible-believing church. Slip your hand up if you want that prayer. Or you want to meet with Jesus. You can come out the front at the end of the meeting. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com. Or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.